We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the plot. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. I'm joined today by Michael. The J is for Jurassic Park, Fachi Fachi. Want to let people know what we are talking about today. Oh, yep. The J is for Jurassic because we're talking about a recent trade rumor that came out involving the Pacers and the Toronto Raptors and none other than Pascal Siakam. Alex, what was your initial reaction when you heard Mark Stein talking about the Pacers have been making calls for Siakam? I was thinking to myself, we've got Jairus Walker, we've got Obi Toppin, do we really need another power forward? I said, is Obi Toppin going to be involved in this trade to get us, you know, Pascal Siakam? Because there ain't no way I'm trading Jairus Walker, especially after the first two games he's had in summer league. So, you know, I'm thinking, hey, if you, if you can throw Obi Toppin in this trade with some other pieces to like get a guy like Pascal, that makes a lot of sense. But my brain just immediately started thinking, who are we trading away to get Pascal Siakam? But then I took a step back and I thought to myself, this is very interesting because we just did a podcast talking about trades to create a roster spot for this team. And during that conversation on Sunday night, as we closed out, we were like, the Raptors, they can never make a decision on which direction to go. They're going to end up just running it back with this thing. And I was to the point where I'm like, you know what? I hope they do. And I hope that they make the play in and don't go very far. And then all their guys, they were 
being bullish about and, and wanting to trade end up just leaving them for nothing like everybody else has left them for nothing. So I don't really feel sorry for the Raptors. I think Masai Ujiri is very tough to do business with. I think he asked way too much for uh, the contracts and the players that he has. Like, yeah, Pascal Siakam is an all-NBA kind of guy, but he's got an expiring contract. Like, who says he wants to come back there? And you guys are already talking about going a different direction. So to me, Fachi, this is where I'm just like, okay, if we can get Pascal Siakam and not break the bank, then I'm all for it. But I think you have to make this trade uh, with the right pieces involved. You're not giving – this is not the time to go all in for a guy like this. It is absolutely not. And we've heard Chris Haynes say that Siakam would really not want to sign an extension with the team that he's traded for. It His preference is to stay with the Raptors and sign a contract. I'm sure it is. You can get that fifth year over there. And it just – I really think there's a risk involved here. And just going through the numbers, this year, if a player was going to sign a four-year max, a four-year, not even five, it would have been four years, $175.5 million. Mm. Next year, with the cap going up, this deal is going to be closer to about four years, $190 to $200 million, depending on where it ends up. This is a big deal. So you would have potentially a $200 million deal here with Siakam, another $200 million deal plus uh, for Tyrese Halliburton. Like This is the Pacers to an extent. Kind of pushing the chips all the way in. But with Siakam being an expiring, there is major, major risk in terms of what you give up. Now, if we do a rundown of the Toronto Raptors ever since they traded DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, which, yes, it did work out. They've now seen guys like Fred Van Vliet uh, leave in, in free agency. They've seen Kyle Lowry leave for not much. And now you're running to that situation where OG and Siakam could hit free agency at the same time. And it's not realistic for the Raptors to sign both of them and run it back with this core. So it seems like Siakam might be the guy they could be more willing to move. But we also know the Atlanta Hawks, and we've heard the Magic, are also serious about Siakam as well. I mean, Siakam's a really good player, and I think that he would make sense on this team, and I think he would instantly raise the floor and the ceiling of this year's Pacers team if he was brought in. Especially, like, let's just throw it out there. Like, the, the Raptors are probably asking for one of the three between Andrew Nimhard, Jarris Walker, and Benedict Matherin. They're going to want one of those three back in a trade. I think everybody on that's listening to this podcast or that's a Pacer fan would probably say, okay, I think I'd be willing to part ways with Andrew Nimhard because we already have Tyrese Halliburton and TJ McConnell as a capable backup point guard for this team. So you would be more than okay, not more than okay, but you'd be okay at least moving off of him more so than the other two because their ceilings maybe be a little bit higher. And then you're talking about other salaries to fill in to make that deal happen. I thought it was interesting today because Zach Lowe had Kevin, Kevin Pelton on his podcast and Zach Lowe basically said that he felt like the rumored interest of the Pacers um, and Pascal Siakam seems a little bit stronger and the reports and what it actually is. And I kind of probably agree with that. I think that the Pacers bringing an Obi Toppin, bringing in Jairus Walker, they're not going to bring in another guy, I don't think, that's going to clog that position up. They've already got Jordan Mora, who we both think is a very capable player on the outside looking in, and this is another opportunity for them to add a player that's kind of playing that same position that he's at. So now you're just like further pushing him down the line. And I'm not going to say that I'm worried about where Jordan Wars minutes come from if I get Pascal, but I'm just saying at this point, like the Pacers went from having no power forwards to if they traded for him and didn't give up Jairus or Obi, now there's like a log jam of power forward. And it's like, what is happening here with this Pacers team? But 
Do you think that Pascal could play the threesome? Because we did see it a little bit when they had Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saw about three or four years ago. But I think more so he's been a power forward with this Raptors team. That's probably where he's played his best basketball. Yeah, to your point, it has been a couple of years. I think that was, you know, early on for Siakam. Now, you know, when you develop into a, a two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star, he's been at power forward. I do think that's his most comfortable position. So bringing him in, paying him a max contract to then play the three, <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I, I don't think that's what you do. I think you give him the preference at the four. So it's like, yes, in a positionless basketball era, Maybe he could play the three a bit, but it would primarily be at the four. And, yeah, it's weird. The Pacers are collecting every four they can get right now. <laughs> but to, to the players that you mentioned, I don't even want Benedict Matherin's name even coming out of the Toronto Raptors front office mouth. I don't want that. Well, Jarris Walker, I know it's a, you know probably like he's the the shiny new tool in the, in the box where you're saying, look, we can't just give up Jarris Walker. We love what we've seen so far. Andrew Nimhart, that guy that we all really love, he's a fan favorite. And I want to keep Andrew Nimhart. But you cannot possibly get a player of Pascal Siakam's magnitude, of caliber, whatever you want to say, without giving up something. Mm. And Andrew Nimhart, after the Raptors losing Fred Van Vliet, they have a major hole at point guard. And they signed Dennis Schroeder. Does anyone believe in that at all other than we needed someone to handle the ball so yeah. it just feels like they would be looking for a guard and Andrew Nimhart is the, the the obvious name that comes to mind initially in my opinion I mean he's Canadian he's been really good his first season started a lot of games as a as a two really mm -hmm. um, showed that he could be a starting point guard at times I think he had he had a rookie wall there for a little bit last year but yeah. In summer league, I think he was the Pacers' best player, most consistent oh, yeah. player. Mm -hmm. I know the first game he had eight turnovers, but aside from that, everything else that you saw from him, it's just like, yeah, he's way too good for the summer league. And way too good. We talked about it last year. Like I said, Andrew Nimhard could be traded to a team and be a starting point guard. Like that he was could. part of the – I mean, that was one of the things we talked about with the OG Ananobi stuff because OG Ananobi was a guy that – I'll just say it this way. I think OG Ananobi still fits better for this team than Pascal. No Cassie. doubt about it. No and doubt. It, and if I'm if I'm the Pacers, I'm asking about OG still before I make a deal for Pascal. And the the report was they want to move off of Pascal because of the age and build around OG and Scotty Barnes. And if you saw the reports, also OG and Anobi has joined CAA. He left Clutch Sports. He also said he wants a bigger role. So is this their way to find a bigger role for him to try to keep him happy while they move? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I think, like Zach said, there's too much smoke for there not to be some fire here with this Pascal Siakam trade rumor stuff. I don't think the Pacers have the best package of players that they'd be willing to move off of. I think that the Atlanta Hawks probably have better players that they can move off of. But the Pacers have all their picks, and that's what's one thing that's in their in their favor. They could throw some salaries in there with a bunch of picks and see if that, you know, at least lands with what the Raptors are trying to to get back in return for Siakam because, like you said, the guy could leave for nothing in the offseason. So he probably wants to stay there, and there's been a lot of reporting out there from Chris Haynes saying that he will not sign an extension with the team. So if he's, if he's unwilling to sign an extension with the Pacers, you, you kind of have to be a little bit skeptical of making any significant trade for him because at this point, you're, you're not going to push all your chips in for a guy that's only going to be here for one year when your team is not ready to compete for a championship, if this team was on the brink of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals with Pascal Siakam on the team, then yes, I can understand this trade. But for 
for where they're at now, this Pacers team, they're still in the developmental stages. They're still trying to prove themselves. I think they're a couple of years away from really being a playoff contender, Fachi. And I, I don't want to rush the rebuild. I know that we're probably ahead of the rebuild schedule right now, but we still don't want to rush it and push all our chips in too soon because at this point, we've got a good young squad that I think could really grow together and be more authentic than trying to buy a player and and kind of force things a little bit when they're not really needed to be forced. That's no, true. Like I think the front office has been itching to make a big move. They have. I think that they've they've struck out a bit. They've they've tried the the massive offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton. The the calling about OG. Maybe they did call about Mikel Bridges at the deadline. Whatever it was, it was we've heard rumblings. DeAndre Hunter. We've heard so much stuff. But the Pacers have been able to pull it off. They have a core now that is young. Fits the timeline. The contracts are great. And they enjoy playing with each other and being around each other. Mm -hmm. And there is a scenario where if you trade for Pascal Siakam, you might trade a lot of good pieces that could be with this team for years to come for just one year. Maybe you're a playoff team. Maybe you're a real tough out in the play in you know that that could happen i think the pacers probably feel that they have something going on right now that if they got a guy like siakam in they could convince him to stay obviously money is going to be what talks in the end and it would have to be a max contract but i'm with you just where we're at right now one year of siakam is not where the raptors were at when they traded for Kawhi when they were on the cusp and they couldn't get past LeBron and all of a sudden you know LeBron's in the west and it's like that was the time to make that trade where mm -hmm. the Pacers are at right now I do think you could be a play-in team maybe a playoff team without this trade so it's a real tough spot to be in half the fan base probably just wants to make a big move just to make a big move and it's that's fun for a bit but we really need to drill into what would be on the table in that move Alex, what are your thoughts of what would have to be included in a deal for Siakam? Yeah, so this is where it gets really interesting because I kind of already threw it out there. I think they're going to be asking for one of Nimhard Matherin or Jairus Walker, and I think the Pacers probably are hesitant to give up any of those three right now. I mean, I agree. The, f the fact that those could be three starters for this team, I think the Pacers are saying, look, your back's against the wall, Masai. Pascal could leave you in the offseason if you guys don't want to commit to him, especially if there's some opportunities for him to go elsewhere in free agency. We're not going to give you our young core. We're going to give you some expiring contracts. We'll give you some picks and they'll, and they'll probably try to go that route, which I think makes a lot more sense. I think there's some trades that could make sense for the Pacers where they don't give up any of those three. They're still going to give up some valuable players. I just don't know if the Raptors would be willing to take on that type of return and I think the reason the Pacers have even been put out there as a team that could have interest is because the Hawks are doing the same type of dealing and negotiating with Toronto. They're basically saying, we're not going to give you our star players for, you know, your, your guy. That's kind of your star, your face of your franchise, because he could leave for nothing at the end of this year. And we have to protect ourselves. So I think the picks are probably the most important thing for the Pacers to give up here. The, the best thing they can give up and they, they'd be willing to give up, but let me ask you this. If it took Andrew Nimhart to get the deal done, is that something you'd swallow hard on and do? 
Here's what I'll say. There is no scenario where Benedict Mather and Josh Walker are on the table. There there can't for you. Yes. That that that's that. And I would think the same would be for the front office. They are extremely high on those two. They're extremely yeah. high on Andrew Nemhart as well. But you can't get a player of that caliber for Daniel Tice, buddy, and and you know TJ McConnell like that. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's got to be picks, and then it comes down to the the, the thing of hey, you know, if you're going to make, make this trade, it could be Nemhard, some expiring contracts. You're probably still going to have to throw in that first round pick that's owed to us from either you know OKC, the Clippers, the Rockets, or the Jazz, and that's the the least favorable first you would imagine compared to ours. So I think that situation could end up possibly being better than including two first round picks. But we do know that we know exactly what we're getting out of Andrew Nemhart compared to two first round picks, which could be totally up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I think we both came up with some trade ideas. We did. When you know us, we love playing with the trade machine. We just had we some great practice from our last episode. So I'm curious because at this point, it would be silly not to at least look at some potential trade ideas. Give me, give, let's go back and forth. So, give me your first trade idea that you would give to the Raptors here. So, first, I want to start with my theory over here is after trading a first round pick for Jakob Hurdle and signing him to a four year, $80 million deal, I do not think that Miles Turner is the guy that they want in a return. Mm-mm. So, you don't want to, they don't want to become the Pacers of a couple of years ago. We play. And two bigs like and that that's not what the Jakob and Miles together what exactly. a what a duo that's not the dream for the Raptors and let's also factor this in the Raptors do not own their 2024 first round pick so no picks are coming towards them as they're looking to rebuild and eh, you know it's probably time for them to get some assets so I got a couple deals over here I'm going to start with some of maybe the the lower deals just do just do that one first just do your sure. your least favorable so, one first I guess Okay, so uh, in in this situation, we got the Pacers send Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice, Jordan Awara, Aaron Neesmith, and you know that uh, that first round pick that we're owed okay. for Pascal Siakam and Mal- Malachi Flynn. We got to take back someone. It's an expiring deal. You know, what do you think of that? It's not a bad start. I don't think that they would take it. Obviously. I don't think they would either. That's yeah. why I start with it. Yeah, it's a good starting point because I mean. I just don't I don't see where Daniel Tice makes a lot of sense for them besides the fact that he's an expiring. You said Buddy Hield as well. Buddy Hield's in there, Jordan Moore expiring, but they Aaron, could have interest in Aaron Neesmith and no picks involved or the, the no, no, it's a, 2024. It's a, exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think that they're like, yeah, there's no way we're doing that for Pascal. Yep, I agree. So starting that's point. that's a starting point. Um, I will give you my first trade idea that I thought of when I thought of this whole entire thing like what's what i would be most willing to give up or not most willing but i'd be most comfortable giving up right now where i wouldn't really like bat an eye on it so i'm also curious because i think that the trade machine might be a little bit off with ob Toppin because i think that based on what kevin pelton said today i could be wrong on this but he did talk about because the pacers used cap space to acquire ob Toppin he can be included in a trade with somebody else and that's why i think you've constantly seen uh, like the Tai Tai Washington and uh, Garuba, Usman Garuba included in like trades. They've been traded like two or three times, I think now. So I think mm-hmm. that is something that could help the Pacers in terms of they just got Obi, but they could trade him. So here's my first trade idea was Pascal Siakam 
Buddy Hill, TJ McConnell, Obi Toppin, and a 2024 first round pick unprotected from the Pacers. Okay, so Buddy, um, TJ, TJ, and an unprotected first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Pascal. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I would do the deal. Would they? I mean, look, here's how we look at it. Obi Toppin, they could bring in, okay, you, you know, still a young player that you could sign, have a piece of the future. You get it unprotected first, it's appealing. Uh, McConnell, you know, you're you're, you're getting, uh, I don't know, you're getting some point guard depth for, mm-hmm. for this year. I, I don't know if they do it because I think they're probably thinking, hey, we're not getting any of your, like, true, right. you know, top guys. So it's kind of like our, you, know, you don't want to call it pocket change, but, you know. <laughs> It's kind of, I think they say, you know what, mm, I don't think so. But at least the pick being unprotected has to be at least somewhat appealing. Right. Okay, so what's the next trade you got? So the next trade I got over here is the Pacers get Pascal Siakam and Malachi Flint oh. um, for Buddy, okay. Daniel Tice, TJ McConnell. Oh, man. And two first-round picks. It's the pick that we're owed, and then ours is either top 10 or lottery protected. All right, so two protections on the pick, so you're not giving them any unprotected picks. Yep. And you're giving them three veteran expiring contracts, basically. Yeah, basically. For Pascal. With McConnell, the partial. Yeah, I mean, I the salary makes sense. It matches up. It, it they does. Get two picks. It does. They get two picks for it. Obviously, Pacers fans would do this in a heartbeat. Raptors fans, Raptors fans, picks for the Raptors. When they're, don't not have good picks. They're, they're not they're, good they're, picks. They're not good picks. They're they're not good picks, but they don't have one. They're going to lose them. Two first round picks is kind of they're gold good picks. nowadays. Yeah, but they are, but they're not. They're not good picks, which I think is what shuts this deal off. So then I I've got another one for you because this I'm, deal that I said is better than that first one. So you can see. Yes, we're, we're, we're working. Getting, we're, we're working, working our way up. Okay, so this is my second trade that I could. I would be willing to do this, even though it would probably be a little bit tougher. Just Pascal is coming to the Pacers. We're giving up Buddy Hilton, TJ McConnell, as well as Aaron Neesmith, Isaiah Jackson, and another unprotected 2024 first-round pick. So instead of Obi, you're giving up Neesmith and Isaiah Jackson. So basically just swap that out from the previous one. If I'm the Pacers, I definitely do that deal because you're talking about Isaiah you're already a little bit unsure of. Um so, you know, I, th- yeah. I think you could you could you could move him. You said was it Neesmith? Yeah, Aaron Neesmith. This is a tough one here. Neesmith, I, I think, would be a player that they would very much enjoy. And then there there was uh, Buddy and TJ McConnell. So it's just like you know, it's then you get that unprotected first. It's it's a pretty pretty solid deal, I would say. It's definitely not a home run by any yeah. means, but I don't know. They they right. might be like, mm, let me call you back. Yeah. You know, let, let me yeah. let me see what Atlanta's offering because you know Isaiah Jackson feels like the kind of player they would like. You yes. know, like like, like that type of yeah, like those seem like those type of guys, but they are you know role players. Mm-hmm. I, I think Neesmith obviously has more potential than Isaiah Jackson at this point of like a solidified role. Um, I, I don't think they do it, but I think that they're like hmm, somewhat interesting. Let's see what other people have. Yeah, so I've got. I've got two more trades. How many do you have? I got left? one more. All right. So hit me with your next one. You, I can got. go another one and then you can yeah, go. You, you go. You go. Okay. So this was a tough one for me to put down because I don't necessarily know if I love it for the Pacers. That's but where I'm at with mine next. Yes. Yeah, so I will throw this one out there quickly. Buddy Hill, TJ McConnell, Obi Toppin, and Andrew Nimhard for Pascal Siakam. 
Mm, no picks, huh? No picks. I'm not, if you want Andrew Nimhard, you get no picks. I, I think that they probably would strongly consider that deal because I do think that Obi and Nemhard can very much be a part of their core, you know, moving forward. Be, um, yeah. And then McConnell is just a good, good veteran guy to have over there as you still, you know, I, I think he would help out for about a year. They could always move his contract the following year. Mm-hmm. So that, that is very interesting. I, I think the Raptors, you would imagine they would want to prioritize talent over, you know, maybe one pick or so. Mm-hmm. So that way you can keep it going. The Raptors haven't really been a team to bottom out, you know, by, by any means. They, they've tried to be competitive for what feels like the past decade. Um, mm, that, that, that That's very interesting. That is very it's, interesting. It's really tough. I'm trying to keep Jairus and Benedict no matter what. And I'm not putting them in any trade. No matter what. And, and Nimhart seems to be like the the missing piece to like really push the deal over the top. I think they them. want him bad. bad. I think they want him. And I'm hesitant to trade Nimhart. I really am. I, I I I'm not gonna say my hot take. I I don't want to say it, but I'm to the point right now where I feel more confident that Andrew Nimhard's gonna reach his ceiling than Benedict Matherin. I feel like Matherin, his ceiling is much higher, but I think that at this point Matherin has got a lot more work to to improve upon. Where I think Nimhard's probably just a little bit more solidified in who he is as a player. Um, so. Like right now, like I, I get it. Matherin was all rookie first team, and he put up some major points and scoring in this league is hard, especially as a rookie and getting the fouls. But when it comes down to winning basketball, I feel like Nimhart had more of an impact last year, being that defender, being that secondary playmaker, and his offense is only getting better too. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that I want to trade Matherin over Nimhart or anything like that. I'm just saying I believe in Nimhart that much that I think it's a lot closer for him and Matherin in terms of like who they are as players and what they can become. Then the people will maybe give them credit for because I've heard people say, like, who cares if you got to throw Nimhart in the deal? Throw him in there, get it done. It's like, well, Nimhart's a good player. You'd think you're underselling him a little bit. I know. And I don't want to overreact off of two summer league games because Andrew Nimhart looked really, really good, uh, especially that last summer game, a summer league game against the Magic. And Matherin struggled with a shot. I don't want to have that recency bias over there, but. You know night in, night out what you're getting out of Andrew Nimhart. Mm-hmm. You know it. He's gonna be he's gonna play good defense. He can shoot, he can make plays. And I just, and I just feel like you can count on that. Matherin right now, he's got to figure out the shot. He can't only look to hunt, hunt, hunt for you know for a shot, especially as his team gets better. And what if they were to bring in a guy like Siakam over there? It's like, yeah, you're not you're not gonna get the same amount of shots as before, but both players. Players are extremely talented, and obviously, you know, selfishly, I love how Nemard's on about a $2 million contract for, like, the next True. three years. So here's my trade. It's Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice, Jalen Smith, Andrew Nemhard, and the pick that were owed for Pascal Siakam. So you're saying you the pick that we done? Is it our pick or the one we got in the trade? No, the it's the one that we got in the, tr- in the trade. So... Basically, could be, the, could be the 25th overall pick, maybe, you know, 20 to 25. So basically that trade is salary filler. I hate to say it like that, but it is what it is. Yeah. Salary filler, Nimhart and a meh pick for Pascal Siakam. Exactly. It could be the 22nd overall pick, maybe. That's tough. I Once again, I think the Pacers probably value Nimhart very, very much. So I, I think that the Raptors really want him too. 
I could see them con- convincing themselves that Jalen Smith could be a backup big for them. So, but they so are, could I. But they already have a lot of backup bigs too. I know. So this is a tough one because I'm not trying to poo-poo all your trades, but I just feel like Toronto probably wants more. I think if this is the deal. I they, think they do too. Yeah, this is a deal where I think the Raptors are like, yeah, probably not. At least in the trade that I sent, you got two young players that are on their, like, because I think Obi Toppin's ceiling's higher than Jalen Smith. And I think Nimhard, you're getting a point guard at least. Like you said here, for for this trade you're talking about, Tice is not going to be a factor whatsoever. No. Buddy Hill is going to be a trade chip for him, uh, expiring contract. Um, I, I don't think Jalen Smith has near as much value as some of the, the other guys you've talked about. Even McConnell, I don't think. I think he's probably got less value than McConnell at this point. Well, so I, at this point, if we're giving up Nemhard, you can't trade Nemhard and no, TJ right. McConnell. You gotta, right. have, you gotta have a backup point guard. Yeah, I think they'd want more, and that's why I think my last trade is probably the most difficult, most interesting Oof. one that I've got. Uh, and so. to your point, I definitely agree. I bet they do want more, yeah. and it depends <laughs> on how much how much can the Pacers give for an uncertainty of more than just one year. So let's hear what you got. Okay, so this is a pretty big one. Uh, Buddy Hill, Obi Toppin, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nimhard. And a 2024 unprotected first for Pascal Siakam and Grady Dick. Wow, getting Grady Dick over there. That definitely helps because before you said that, I was like, man, that's a lot. You're talking about like OB, Neesmith, and Nemhard, and you said an unprotected first. It's like yeah, those, those I, three I hesitated on the pick. I didn't have yeah. it in there first, so you could – Give or take, but I think if you're going to get back their rookie from this year, you have to throw it in. You have to. I mean, this he was just the 13th overall pick who, you know, one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in the draft. So that's interesting. Um, I think you could live with giving up that first-round pick if you're automatically getting Grady Dick at minimum. But okay. obviously, if you don't re-sign Siakam, then you're like, man, we traded a lot, and we just got Grady Dick over here. So um, that's 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 really tough. Yeah, so your lineup, I think, if you do, if you look at it from this perspective, your lineup would be Tyrese Halliburton, Bruce Brown, Benedict Mather, and Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner. Your Great bench, five. Great start five. yeah. Your bench is T.J. McConnell, Grady Dick, um, then Ben Shepard, Ben Shepard, or uh, Jordan Mora, Jarris Walker, and Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, Daniel Tice, whoever you yeah. have, Isaiah, because we didn't get rid of any of the centers in this trade. So that was the hard part because I'm like, I didn't want to oh, like, yeah, that is, that is tough to, to not dump Tice in the trade is, is definitely tough. I mean, you, you, de- know? you definitely could put one of Jalen or Tice in this trade because the Pacers would be eating 8.5 million in this return. So they would actually be saving the Raptors 8.5 million in this trade by doing it. So you could maybe toss one of them in there to make it make more sense, or maybe you throw, I mean, I just I feel like the trade had to be like that significant because you're basically giving up yeah. three core bench players. But you are unless you include Obi as a starter, then you're giving up two starters and two bench players for one starter and one other player. So it's a it's a tough one. But like not like I like Pascal Siakam and I, I don't want to undersell what he can be to this team because I think he's a really good player. And the you know, I was on the radio with Kevin Bowen today, and one of the things that he brought up was like Pascal's got you know, really good with the ball in his hands. And he likes to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I'm like, yes. But at the same time, I think that was more by necessity with what that Raptors team was. I don't think Fred yeah. Van Vliet was nearly the playmaker that Tyrese is. Not at all. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, Fred Van Vliet was more of an off-ball guy. Because I think yeah. he was, 
he was a part of that group that won the championship when he they was had uh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. So he was a guy that was playing off ball. I mean, that was just a deep team. Let's just be honest. So I personally think that this is probably the closest, but I still don't love it as a Pacer fan. I feel like it's a lot of money to give up. A lot, of, a lot of assets. I shouldn't say money. A lot of assets to give up, but at least you're getting some long-term uh, flexibility there with getting a guy like Grady Dick, who I think the Pacers really liked. Yeah, in the I think they did process. Too. I wonder if Grady Dick's the deal breaker for Toronto in that Could situation be. where, you know, they're definitely thinking, hey, you know, we just drafted this guy. We like what he got. He's going to be here long term. Like, you know, OB still, you know, the, the verdict's out on him. Neesmith do some money. Um, so same with OB. Neesmith me- and OB are both due. Obviously, they'll be cheaper than what Siakam would have been by far. Okay, let me make so, this simpler then. Take out Grady yeah. Dick and Aaron Neesmith. Pascal Siakam for Heel, Toppin, and Nimhard. Do you do you take the pick out too? You take the, you, if you take the pick out, I don't think they do it. I think the pick's got to be in there. Yeah, if okay. you, if, yeah. I, I think I think they would do that if the pick's in there. Yeah, that that to me is probably the closest without adding Neesmith and and Grady Dick because at that point you're probably yeah. just getting a little too uh, complex with the trade. But I think those conversations have to be had because if you're putting on Andrew Nimhard, you want to get somebody back young under contract. And I think that's yeah, I why that's why the Grady Dick stuff makes sense instead of like a Malachi Flynn, which it makes sense salary wise, but you don't want to be yeah. taking back Malachi Flynn. Who's not going to really get on the court and, you know, be productive no. where Grady Dick could be, you know, that two, three off the bench. That could be really nice for you. Yeah. I just, I looked at, at their salaries and I was just like, who expires. And if we're giving up a point guard that we can get another point guard back. So he, he was that guy, but, you know, for, for I know we didn't get into it too much, but you know, guys, part of the reason of why we would want to make a deal for Pascal Siakam is this guy plays very well in transition. He could play mm-hmm. fast, real good score, really good playmaker. I mean, we saw he averaged about six assists this year. Um, really good rebounder, he averaged about eight rebounds. I mean, that that would have led the Pacers. Three point percentage has slipped. The talent around him has also dropped off. So I do think that he's had to do a little bit more, but. Siakam would immediately help this Pacers team, but man, if you're the Pacers and you make it, you make this risky move, you don't get many shots at this. There's not many cracks at this. This is why you save up assets, young players to make this type of move. And I think we're we're kind of in agreement that I think it's too soon to make this move. And I do wonder if maybe the Pacers are better off waiting a little bit more time as Toronto gets a little bit more nervous and drops their asking price a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is something you could revisit at the trade deadline if it's still there and it's not going to cost you nearly as much. So no. I will just say this because I came up with four or five trades, whatever we discussed here and you came up with three or four yourself does not mean I want to do this deal. I, that... I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't, if he <laughs> yeah, falls like... in our lap for not that much. Great. If we trade Nemhard, man, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But if it's yeah. Nemhard, a first-round pick, you know, maybe there's like some Neesmith in there, and then he walks, we're going to say, you know what? We, we rushed it. We got impatient, and it was a mistake. I don't think I could sleep at night, honestly, Flachi, if I was a Pacers decision-makers, knowing I gave up Andrew Nemhard for potentially one-year rental of Pascal Siakam. And I think that's why that might be a deal-breaker. I know that we make fun of Evan Massey a lot because of his reporting, but – he did put out a, a little bit of a tweet tonight while we were recording this one and said that the Pacers are unwilling to include Andrew Nimhart in any trade talks. So 
whether where is he that information from? I have no idea. I have no idea either. But it does make sense. So at least it's not something like just throwing something on the wall and hoping it sticks. But I do agree that when it comes to Andrew Nimhard, like I value him a lot. I think the Pacers value him a lot. I think they see a lot of potential in him. I think they want him to be their de facto six man kind of guy uh, that can really help Alabar. Because like, look at what Tyus Jones was so much for John Morant. Such a great backup point guard that when John missed time, they didn't feel like they really skipped a beat because Tyus Jones was so good. Now we know they traded him to Washington this year. They ended up getting Marcus Smart, who's probably an upgrade at that position. But I think Andrew Nimhard could be the best backup point guard in the NBA at some point. So guy that can finish games too. I think that's the great thing about him is he's so big, six foot five, can play next to Tyrese as well if they need to. And I, I think that any lineup that you have with him, you're gonna be any defensive lineup you need, he's going to be in that lineup. So it's just it's just tough. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that I don't think Pascal is better than Andrew Nimhard. I think he's way better than Andrew Nimhard right now. But I'm looking long-term here for what I'm trying to build. 31-year-old power forward that doesn't fit this timeline. Seems like a lot of, lot of uh, assets to give up for a guy that, you know, you could have someone that becomes someone like him. And Jairus Walker is only 19. And that's that's part of the thing. It's like I would like to hear the perspective from a Raptors fan right now because they're probably looking at our team, and be like, "All right, let me get some uh, Matherin." You know, let me get uh, you got to throw in Jarris Walker, and we'll be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa slow down." So <laughs> maybe we are overvaluing Andrew Nemhard, but yes, to your point, we are thinking long term, and it's like this team, it's not going to be next year, and guys, it's it's probably not even going to be two years from now. But if this core can stick together for years to come, like we have the cape the, the possibility to do something pretty special here if this group stays together gets better together you know the books stay relatively clean and we flip our assets in the right deal a mm-hmm. one year you know potential rental i just don't think this is it and i and i know a lot of people are dying for a move I, there's going to be a move that comes around i, I think you, you and i are both thinking this ain't it yeah, I mean, if you could do a trade of like Buddy Hill, TJ McConnell, and maybe Obi Toppin with like two or three picks involved to get Pascal back, then you're not really giving up a whole lot besides those picks. Then I could kind of see that. But at the same time, three picks is a lot to give up. And it really, when you said two or three, I was like, whoa, wait, two, three, what, first? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, whoa. That's, that's just too much for me. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, some people, like, I can see them talking themselves into, like, yeah, we give up a 2024 and a 2026. Well, you can still trade like 27, 29, 30, like those other picks that you have. But at the same time, it does put a little bit of a control on what you can trade out. So you got to be smart with what you're doing. Maybe a pick and a pick swap. I don't know. But if you can get the deal done without giving up any of your main six core, I I think that slam dunk, you do it and, and don't even think twice about it. But I think if you're giving up any of your main core guys, it's just too big of a risk for me to make this deal. But other than that, I think Pascal Siakam is a really awesome player. And I don't want to downplay how good of a player I think he is because I feel like maybe we're doing that by this exercise, like not, va- not valuing Pascal as much as he probably is valued across the league. But yeah, I just don't think he fits the timeline of what this team's trying to do. Now, and look, we just dished out the biggest contract in franchise history, Tyrese Halliburton. And I think he's worth every single penny. Mm-hmm. But if you dish out a max to Pascal Siakam, you got to wonder four years from now when probably the Pacers would be kind of really hitting their their prime. I would say you know 
three years from now, three, four, that Pascal Siakam is going to be turning 35 years old. And you, you just don't know what you're getting at that point, paying him over $40 million. I, I think it ends up being about $47 million at least in that year. Yeah, Pacers right now don't have a bad contract on the books. So for me, it's just too risky. All right, Fauci. Well, that wraps up this conversation. I know there's been fans that have been, you know, torn on this conversation. Uh, a lot of people like Pascal, the fact that he would help this team get better. But like you and me both have pointed out and painted the picture very well, that it's it's just tough to completely make it all make sense, even though he would be a, a, a guy that helps us instantly get better. At the same time, though, you don't want to just become a team that wins one playoff round and then fall out. Like, what's the what's the big prize in that? That's what it is, though. If you add Pascal Siakam, yes, we are a better team. Are we better than the Boston Celtics? No. We don't know what what the 76ers are doing. We're not better than Milwaukee. It's like it really starts to become a, a thing where it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe in the right situation we could push a team to seven games in round one. That's not what it's about. So we yeah. got to dream a bit bigger of being the tough out and really start to say, hey, you know what? When the right move comes around, we'll have the assets to make it happen, to get someone to be under contract for multiple years to fit the timeline. The best Pacer teams have always been built, not bought. Just remember that. And that's how I think they're going to continue to do this is build it from the ground up like they have. Yes, they traded for Tyrese, but you know, other than that, they drafted Miles Turner. They drafted Andrew Nimmer, drafted Juris Walker, Benedict Mather. And so... They've added some nice pieces around those guys. Tyrese is the only franchise player that they went out and traded, but when they traded for him, it was very similar to when they traded for like a Jermaine O'Neal, someone really young in their career, and they really flourished here. Not saying that they were the same player or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, Jermaine was a guy that you felt like was part of the building process, not part of the, oh, we paid handsomely for him to come here. No. I mean, we gave up Sabonis to get Tyrese. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, he was on a rookie deal. So, part of this young core that we can build around. But with that being said, Pachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F a C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers talk. You can find us on Facebook at set the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace and Alex tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. Make sure you subscribe, like, leave a comment, whatever you got to do to make sure you're a part of our YouTube channel. We're going to have this episode up there as well as our conversation with Derek Schultz. It'll be out later this week. So, Bachi, if you're excited for what the Pacers have done this offseason and can't wait to see how this team grows and builds into a playoff contender, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.